So it is my honor and privilege to introduce our spiritual director and speaker today, Dr. Patrick Cameron, speaking on Don't Take Things Personally. In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love And quite enough power To walk through our every fear For spirit One spirit Is in this very room In this very room In this very room And so I invite you to Allow my words to be your words. And if they don't fit, let them wash over you. Because it is my perception that I express in this moment in concert and in co-creation with what my heart is being guided to in this moment. But be clear about what it is that you say yes to, as I will as well. But I recognize in this moment this, this unseen force for good, this power for good, this presence that when I... I dwell upon a certain idea for an extended period of time, it influences my experience in this life. And that is one of the indicators that I am in co-creation, I am in relationship with something that gives unconditionally. And so whatever we call it, it doesn't matter and it doesn't care. It simply says yes all the time. And so what I know in this moment is that this day, this moment is as beautifully orbed and expressed, supported, resourced with unconditional love, with wisdom and clarity, with the healing possibilities. This is an a, a environment of light and love. And so wherever you are feeling out of balance or sorts with yourself, I know that that presence is available here and now, but it cannot assist you and it cannot support me or assist me without me saying and asking for its assistance. And so my affirmative prayer is affirming and knowing in this moment that you and I have everything we need. Thank you so much for the support, the wisdom. I also accept the responsibility for my own, my own decisions, my own thoughts. What I allow to, to come home into my consciousness is my choice that is my work to do so it is not either or it is both and and so I choose to live fully orbed and fully supported by this infinite divine love as well as the reaching for the highest thoughts possible I know this is an activity I know that those of you that have come this this day with a troubled heart or a challenge before you everything necessary for you to move forward through this the ideas the people the places the opportunities reveal themselves in the right and perfect way this is my knowing for myself as well I'm grateful for the beautiful musicians today our volunteers this beautiful community of warmth of light of truth I give thanks and blessing it and releasing it and knowing that it is already done in the mind of the one and it continues to conspire in every good way for us not just in this moment but for eternity 
is my knowing and for this I give thanks and I invite you to say with me and so it is awesome 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 amazing grace how sweet it is I mean it truly is about living in, in grace and grace is that state of awareness about but our, our true nature we brought back this month the four agreements and a uh, wonderful book and they've, re- they've uh, 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 released it again with beautiful artwork it's just a lovely lovely um, uh, thing to have in your library Last week I talked about the first agreement and it's by Don Miguel Ruiz and, and Don Miguel's son was here with us last year or maybe a year and a half ago. But wonderful guy. We got a chance to spend time with him and he's just, uh, you know, he's the, the acorn does not fall far from the tree. His son is amazing and wonderful. So the first agreement we talked about last week was the uh, be impeccable with your word. Which um, for me I need a little bit, I need a little simple uh, GPS on that, be impeccable with your word, because my tendency is maybe to respond uh, too quickly many times. So what was offered to me as a practice is to wait 10 seconds before I respond. So you know if you come up to me and say something to me that sort of uh, I find interesting or startling, I'll probably not respond right away to, to be your indicator. Um, but I think it's, it's wonderful to know that when we're triggered and something is going on in our lives that, that it might be an opportunity to, to look and, and, and look at this deeply and see what, and if I am responding to it or I am hooked by the, the, that uh, conversation, what is it within me that's alive that is, is creating that experience? And the beautiful thing is, and as Don Miguel says, that, that um, if we can master this first practice of being impeccable with our word, it's transformative. It is life-changing. And it comes from the ancient Toltec tradition, which has been around for thousands of years, and his family's lineage comes out of that, that beautiful tradition. Today, I wanted to talk about uh, taking things personally, or don't take things personally, which is the second agreement. So in other words, nothing others do is because of you. Nothing anybody does is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream, as he would say. And when you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Anybody um, been in a conversation or relationship where it creates suffering? Or just, yeah, a couple over there. Okay, good. And one down here. Awesome, thank you. Well, I'll talk to you three then. But we take things personally because what happens is, when, and I do the same thing, I'm right there with you, but we take things personally when we agree with something someone says about us. I mean, we've, you know, look at kids in school. Look at the way school's set up. I, me- I remember going to school and there was always the, the, the kind of the cool guys and then there were the guys that we would consider the more studious or the nerds and there would be this sort of mm, tension going on. And... Uh, and, and it just sort of like fell into that, you know? It was like everybody's find a, trying to find an identity. You're 14, 15 years old, and are you going to be in this group or this group or whatever? And it's just like, wow. Isn't it amazing? So what, and the point I'm trying to make is then somebody from that one group will say something about the other group, and, and, it's, and it has nothing to do with them. But yeah, we can take it so personally because someone who we don't even know that doesn't know us all of a sudden is offering an opinion based on their own way of being, and then we, and then we buy into it. And so then we suffer. Very simple to talk about, very hard to do, isn't it? Isn't it hard, especially with family members? Anybody have family members besides me? 
So what they say and what they do and the opinions they give are according to their agreements that they have in their own minds. And their point of view comes from the programming that they receive during their domestication. And, it, and, and I can identify with that. So someone says, hey, you're, you look so fat. Isn't that wonderful to hear when someone says that to you? And what, what Don Miguel says in, the, in his beautiful book, he said what they're doing is they're dealing with their own feelings, beliefs, and opinions. And what that person is offering you when they say that, and I think this is true, and is, is, is it's poison. And the way we either drink the poison or not drink the poison is either agreeing or not agreeing. So simple. Such a challenge to do. So what happens is we become easy prey for the predators. He calls them predators that would offer you their opinions which are not perhaps in our best interest. And so what happens when they offer that, their opinion and we eat it, they offer us their emotional garbage and then it's our choice to whether we eat it or not. And if we eat it or we accept it, then it becomes our emotional garbage. And so uh, we, we carry that with us. In the co-creation work, they called error belief. In the Toltec tradition, they'd call it taking things personally. And they said that, oh, there's a wonderful term for it here. We, we fall into this idea of personal importance. It's all about me, 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 me. And so someone will say something that, it, that is not true about us, but, we'll, but there's something within us that identifies with it. And, and because we're in this state of me, 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 it's all about me, it's very easy for us to accept it. And so when we're in that, then, then, our, then our, our way of being is very much contingent upon the people that, uh, the conversations we're having out in the world, rather than our understanding of the truth of our being. In the second agreement, Don Miguel says, nothing others do is because of you. What others say and do is a projection of their own reality, their own dream. And when you are immune to that opinion and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Immunity to poison in the middle of hell is, the, is the, the gift of this agreement. So when we agree to things, it puts us right into a state of hell. And what he's talking about is that if we don't accept it, we, be, we have the immunity. We don't go into that state of hell. He gives an example on page 54. He says, Miguel, people come up to him and say, Miguel, you are the best. You are the best. And I, he says, I don't take that personally when they say that. He said, I also don't take it personally when they say, Miguel, you are the worst. I know that when you're happy, you'll tell me, Miguel, you're an angel. But when you are mad at me, you'll say, oh, Miguel, you're such a devil. You are so disgusting. How can you say those things? Either way, it does not affect me because I know what I am. I don't have the need to be accepted. I don't have the need to have someone tell me, Miguel, you're doing so good, or how, how dare you do that? I always love standing in the reception line after I do this talk, and, and people walk up to me, and they pause, because I've just said that, and they realize, oh, we just talked about... I'm not looking for your approval. So it's very interesting. They just, then they just go, hi. So it <laughs> means people are paying attention. Doesn't mean we can't say nice things to one another. But, it, you know, we're going to do those things. When I think when something, when something great happens, we want to acknowledge it. So, and, that's, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's how we receive it. If I'm standing back there waiting for praise and I don't get any, then I go home depressed. But if I stand back there and say, man, I gave the best talk I could possibly give based on the circumstances and all and on and on and on, gave my best. And for the most part, that's how I, I stand back there because it's done. You know, people come and say, you know, that one thing you said there, that one thing right, right at the beginning, I really loved that. What was that? I go, I don't know. That was a half hour ago. I can't remember. <laughs> no, I don't take it personally. He says, whatever you think, whatever you feel, I know it's your problem, not mine. 
Isn't that great? You know? I used to have a buddy all the time. He, the, I had a buddy that, in high school that knew this stuff before Don Miguel Ruiz would write the book because I'd always say stuff to him and he goes, sounds like a personal problem to me. <laughs> okay? Others are going to have their own opinion according to their belief system. So nothing they think about me is really about me, but it's about them. Miguel, and he says, I may, he says, you may tell me, Miguel, what you are saying is hurting me. Have we heard that? You know, that you've said something unkind to me. And he says that, that, but it's not what I'm saying that is hurting you. It is that you have wounds that I've touched by what I have said. You're hurting yourself. There is no way that I can take it personally, not because I don't believe in you or don't trust you, but because I know that you see the world with different eyes than I do. But isn't that a lovely way? It's just that people see the world in different ways. You know, it's just, a, it's a, such a clear, wonderful. So your point of view is something personal to you, but it's no, no one's truth but yours. It's your point of view. It's your perception. You know, I said that at, uh, uh, we were at the training a week ago in Denver, and, and, and one of the, the tools that, that, you know, that I've used a lot over the last number of years is just simply say when, when I don't agree with someone, it's just to say that doesn't represent my position which is really speaking to my own perception. Because people come in and say, hey, I had this experience and this is the way you handle it and this is what you do. And on and on and on, or they'll tell me about somebody else and I'll say, well, that hasn't been my experience with so-and-so. It, and it's so much healthier and cleaner because I want to respond in some way, but I don't want to agree if I don't agree and I don't want to support something that I don't think is um, appropriate. So he says, if you get mad at me, I know you're dealing with yourself. I am the excuse for you to get mad. And you get mad because you're afraid because you're dealing with fear. And if you're not afraid, then there's no way, it, you're, then there's no way you'll get mad at me. And if you're not afraid, there's no way you'll hate me. Because that's where that goes. And if you're not afraid, there's no way that you'll be jealous or sad. And if you live without fear, if you love, there's no place for any of those emotions. Because I think it's the goal for all of us, or the place that I want to be, is in that state of grace, amazing grace, which is a state of love. And it's not that we, and, and so we go through this, this evolution of listening and listening and paying attention because it's not just the voices of other people. You know, we can have tools for that. It's not just people's, other people's opinions. I'm going to invite um, uh, the booth to, to put up a video for you because this is one of the tools that I think would be valuable to have in your spiritual toolbox. We couldn't show it at the first service. We had a few technical glitches, so I think we can get it up now. And some of you may have seen this, but I think it's really wonderful to have this tool available. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being uh, buried alive in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And uh, let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes. And, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And uh, and I I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> 
go Well, tell quiet. me. Tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes. Yes, that's it. All right. Well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry. Stop it! Stop it! Yes. S T O P. New word. IT. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. <laughs> stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that... Sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> it is. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, no, child. no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. I only have a five, so. Well, I, I don't, I don't make change. Then I, I guess I'll take the full five minutes. Fine. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you, would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> Not of some kind. Don't, don't do that. But I'm, I'm compelled to. My mom used to call me no, Fatty. No, no, no. No, we, we don't go there. But I've been having this dream. No, we don't go there either. But my horoscope did say... We definitely don't go there. Just, <laughs> just stop it. What, what, what else? Well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> you you want to be with a man, don't you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yes. Well, then stop it. Don't be such a big baby. I wash my hands a lot. That's all right. It is? I, I wash my hands all the time. There's a lot of germs out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, don't, don't, uh, don't worry about that one. I'm afraid to drive. Well, stop it! How, how are you going to get around? Get in the car and drive, you, you kook! Stop it! Stop it! 
you stop it? What's, what's the problem, Kathy? I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And, and, you, and you, don't, you don't like that? No, I don't. So you think we're, we're moving too fast, is that it? Yes. Yes, I do. All right, then let me, uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I, I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want to you get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here are the ten words. Stop it or I'll bury you alive in a box! So it's good to have tools in our toolbox. And it is, it's psychology month. Dr. Gans told me after the first service, so what an appropriate video to show. I guess when it first came out, it was going through all of the, the therapist offices. But, you know, how do we, how do we catch ourselves? I mean, that's the, that's, the, you know, that's the $64 question when we, we have these opinions that float across the field of our awareness. In uh, Don Miguel's book, he talks about that there, there are voices that show up that are not even connected to this realm. He said that, the, he said that um, the mind has the ability to talk to itself, but it also has the ability to hear information that is available from other realms. And sometimes you hear a voice in your mind, and you may wonder where it came from. This voice may have come from another reality in which there are living beings very similar to the human mind. The Toltecs called this being beings allies. In Europe, France, and India, they call them the gods. Our minds also exist in the level of the gods. Our minds also live in that reality and can perceive that reality. So in, in Elizabeth Lesser's book, uh, The Seeker's Guide, it's a wonderful book. Elizabeth runs the, uh, or founded along with Ramdas the Omega Institute in uh, upstate New York. It's in Rhinebeck, and it's a wonderful place. It's sort of a Disneyland of spiritual retreats, and different people uh, sort of go there to facilitate uh, uh, processes with people. In fact, John of God is, uh, is, has been there, and he's coming back, I think, in, in 2014. But there's a lot of uh, modalities there, and she's a, just an amazing woman. But she tells a story in here when she talked about her finding and listening to the own, your own, her own voice. And she was going through a, um, a divorce with her husband, and she had children, and, and, and she was out in the yard one day raking leaves, and it was about the time the kids would get off the school bus and come running in. And she started to think back to her childhood, and she started to remember her mother. And as she was in the yard, it's quite a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell it to you rather than read most of it to you. I will read a bit of it to you. She said as she's in the yard, all of a sudden the phone rang, and she ran in, and it was her mother. And, that, and to set this up a little bit better, she had been in therapy. She'd been in counseling with someone to work through some of these issues because there were a lot of things going on, a sense of guilt and shame, and you know, when a relationship ends, how, do, uh, how does it affect everyone? So her mother, uh, she ran and answered the phone, and she answered, uh, and she said, Mom, I was just thinking about you. Is everything all right? And her mom said, Yes, I was just thinking about you too and, and about the kids. I don't want to go through, I don't want you to go through with this divorce. So here's her mother giving her opinion. I don't, I don't think this is right. Uh, I don't want you to do this. She said, these are my grandchildren too. And Elizabeth said, mom, we've been through this already. Please don't make it harder. The kids will be okay. In fact, the divorce may even be better for them. And she said, oh, nonsense. 
She said, in her voice, her mom's voice was quivering, what's the matter with you people? You think you should be happy. Be reasonable. Mature people don't need to be happy. And they don't need to be in love either. Happiness is for children and love is for teenagers. Think about your children. And so her mom's expressing her opinion. And she said, so what Elizabeth did, she's listening to this and she's been in counseling and she's trying to, and and so we have all these voices, all these influences that come along. And so I think what happened next is just brilliant and it's such a, a, a... a stake in the ground for all of us if we choose to do so. She said, and then when it, and, and that's when it happened, she said. That's when I knew that my therapist had been, had been getting at. Here was the voice that was keeping me all tied up in confusion and guilt. Here was the voice that used words in my therapy session like mature and reasonable. And then I did something I'd never done before. I hung up on my mother. And it was as if another hand took the phone out of mine and slammed it down. I stood for a moment in sun silence and then went back outside and I laid face down in the mountain of leaves. I felt the the full force of my mother's words in my heart as the sun warmed my back and the leaves cradled my belly. I let her message ring in my heart like a bell being rung over and over to announce the end of the war. This time I wanted to hear the sounds for what they really were. Her words, not mine. Her voice, not mine. I wanted to grasp how unworkable they were, how untrue and how different from what I really believed. The more deeply I listened to my mother's voice, the clearer my own became. Maybe her words had worked for her. It didn't matter. They did not work for me. I knew she was trying to help in the only way she knew. I knew that she was trying to protect my children out of her love for them and for me. But that didn't mean she knew what was best for them or me. Only I knew that. And so this journey is of, of the, the foundational pieces, I think, under being impeccable with our word and don't taking things personal is understanding and being in high relationship with our true self. And it takes courage. It takes courage to put down those influences and the conditioning and the good opinions of others that, and people that love us. But the question that we have to ask ourselves, I think, is, is it true for me? Is this true for me? Is this something? Because if it's true for me, then grab onto it and use affirmative prayer and use, a, and use the spiritual practice which we teach to create more of that in your life. But it's not true for us. It, there won't be any, there won't be any uh, momentum behind it because we're, we're telling ourselves a lie. And that's why it's so important to do the reflection and to ask ourselves, what do we want? What do you truly want in your life? What are the qualities you want to live for? What matters most to me, as Elizabeth said? What, what do I really want? We can't make wise decisions that lead to happy lives when we don't know our own true self. And we can't have healthy relationships when we can't let the other person know what we want, value, or need. And so if we don't know that, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It just means there's an opportunity for greater clarity. But if we have all of these expectations from others running through our awareness, it's very difficult for us to land anywhere that lines up with our true self. And it's, it's such powerful work. So when I read, don't take things personally, for me, then I have to look at what I'm, uh, what I'm agreeing to. Is it poison in my life or is it something that, that is going to move me uh, further and further along my appointed, um, what I'm called to do? And, and, and so it's a wonderful thing. I, you know, for me, I just, I'm pulling for the love. I'm pulling for the grace. I'm pulling for the creativity and the freedom. And, and along the way, there are people that go, oh, you know, you can't do that. That's not possible. And, 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 and for me not to take it personally, because if I start taking it personally, then I need to fight back to make myself wrong and them, uh, to make myself right and them wrong. When in fact, if I can stand there and just listen and go, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. 
and hear it for what it is, which is their, their ideas, their belief system, their projections, the history and sum total of what they're telling me. And many times it's not even theirs, it's their parents or their grandparents or the generations before. But none of that has to be fixed. None of that has to be ironed out. That's not my work. My work is to decide what do I agree with and what don't I agree with. What am I going to latch on to? And what am I going to give my, my love and care to? In Elizabeth's um, article here, she talks about in psychology, they call this individuation. Carl Jung called it individuation, where we start to separate from those opinions and our domestication, as Don Miguel Ruiz would call it. In, in psychology, they call it creating boundaries. And then we're able to ask those deep, meaningful questions, those things that are important to us. And we are addicted, as he said, we can be addicted to suffering in our lives. One suffering thing after another after another, and we suffer because we're accepting the poison from other people. So we get to decide how long we're going to suffer, how long it's going to be painful. Isn't that wonderful to know that we don't have to have anybody's permission to stop suffering? Yeah. And Max Planck was a contemporary of, of uh, Einstein. And he took Einstein's work, he took it, uh, and he took it to sort of as far as it could go with thermodynamics and electrodynamics to relativity. He said this uh, towards the end of his career. He said, science cannot solve the ultimate mystery of nature. And it is because in the last analysis, we ourselves are part of the mystery we are trying to solve. We are part of the mystery we are trying to solve. Elizabeth talks about her journey with the Omega Institute. She has been exposed to some of the most amazing uh, teachers and, and mystics and, and avatars on the planet over the last 40 years. And she has studied, as she says, Buddhism, yoga, Taoism, ancient shamanic wisdom to the West. She studied Christianity, J Jewish tradition, and Islamic mysteries and mystics. She's worked with the founders of new psychological schools of thought and experimented with the methods of maverick American spiritual teachers who combine Eastern mysticism with psychology. And what she says is that the sanest and the happiest of these people are not those who profess a, com a, a complicated and rigid spiritual doctrine. Rather, she said, I have gained the most from those whose paths led them and their students gently, humorously, and fearlessly into the very mystery that Planck and Einstein were talking about. The most useful spiritual techniques are those that have taught me how to relax into the mystery. To relax into the mystery. Once there, the path home lights up from within. The spiritual path is the process of fearlessly peering into the mysterious nature of life and relaxing our mental and emotional grip on our own place within it. If you'll notice, the, the, the final step of affirmative prayer is release. And it's for a purpose. We've done the prayer work. We have, we have declared our intention. And, this, and, and with the clarity, Holmes said the answer to the prayer is in the prayer. And really what he's speaking about is the clarity in our own consciousness that impresses upon this infinite intelligence an idea. And the more, the more house cleaning we do and the more clear we are about what is we're called to do and the more energy and the more pristine we can become about our own intentions, it completely changes the sum total of the experience that, that comes into our experience. But, but that's our work, that's our opportunity. And so, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh said this about spirituality. He said, all, and he's a wonderful Vietnamese uh, a monk who moved from Vietnam. He's now in France. He has a place there called Plum Village. He said that all spiritual seeking is aimed at awakening, awakening us in order to know one and only one thing. 
Birth and death can never touch us in any way whatsoever. Birth and death can never touch us. Our lives, we truly are eternal. And when we start to get that and understand it, that we're here, that nothing can diminish us except what what we allow to come into our experience and accept or not accept. Our true spiritual nature is one of, of beauty and joy and love and light. And yet... I'm in there with you. I've accepted ideas. I've accepted limitations. I've accepted things in my life. And a lot of it has been put before me just because this is my opportunity to look at it, pull it close and look at it, and to unravel my connections to it, unravel my my buying into that and, and accepting it as poison in my life. It's not the truth of my being. And we don't do it all at once, you know, to relax into it gently, humorously. And understand we're all on this journey. And when someone comes up to us with full of opinions and full of anger and frustration, we, we, we manage it well. We honor ourselves, but we don't have to buy into it. You know, that doesn't represent my position. That, is, that has not been my experience. I said that when I came back from John of God the first time people were asking me about it. And I just said, well, I can only speak to the experience I had. You know, I'm just reporting. And, 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 but, but in all those, and it was so nice and lovely to have that because then I didn't have to convince anybody. I could just say, you know, this was my experience with that. So I want to invite Brown up. We're going to do a, um, uh, we have a beautiful song we're going to share with you. If you weren't here last week, it's, uh, we're now doing it with these lovely, amazing angels of God's presence as our, our vocalist. I'm going to invite you to get comfortable. If you're not comfortable uh, right now, get more comfortable. Feet on the floor. I'd invite you to uncross your legs if you're comfortable doing that to open yourself up to the energy that we're immersed in and to track your, your breathing. And so as you breathe in and out, I'm going to invite you to just come home to yourself. This is the only time. This is the only moment. Feel your breath come in to your lungs and feel it go out. Always there, in the right and perfect measure. You are holy. And so as your breath comes in, I'm gonna invite you to, if, if you feel comfortable just taking your hand with your eyes still closed and feel your sternum, couple right in the center of your chest, a couple inches down below that area where your lungs begin. What does it feel like to breathe into that? And invite whatever's alive in you, whatever comes up from that. If there's something painful that you're carrying right now, you are safe right here. You are are the master of this form and this consciousness. And there's nothing within you or I that can diminish that. Sacred, holy, beautiful, powerful. And so as you, you breathe in and breathe out and you feel that and you find that center. And if you do, great. And if you don't, that's fine. But I invite you now to move your hand from that sternum area and place it over your heart. And as you place it over your heart and you breathe, let whatever floats up for you float up. If there's some troubling condition, a situation in your life, a remembrance, someone's voice in your head that you still buy into, to release that and to let it go. And by releasing, I don't mean that it goes away forever, but by releasing it, your emotional connection to it, your attachment to it is diminished. So it is always part of the the story of your life. You'll never forget that. 
but the pain and the suffering that goes along with that experience you no longer need to carry to put it down to understand to understand that you bought into an idea you accepted someone else's opinion and you learned something by that there's a blessing in that but the learning is the learning is here now and you step up you hang the phone up as Elizabeth Lesser did with her mother you simply hang it up and you start to listen to your voice more deeply the great thing in Elizabeth's story is to know that you, she said for a period of time she didn't talk to her mother but over time, they re-engaged in a deeper and more beautiful level. A beautiful relationship came out of that. And so this is also an idea and a possibility for you. A beautiful relationship for yourself. You hang up the phone of that discontent, of that voice of criticism, of judgment, of self and others. And to stand in that holy state with oneself. Throughout this week, if you find yourself struggling challenged I invite you to sit down quietly somewhere for a few minutes close your eyes place your hand over your heart pat your heart as if you were patting the, the head of a small child in love and appreciation and know that all is well that you are eternal you are powerful you are a light upon this planet this planet needs all the light that each and every one of us can generate and share you are holy this is the truth of your being I know for you as a well for myself that my true self and that voice continues to become louder and more apparent guiding directing nurturing and loving everything in my experience knowing it is here to inform and instruct me that I put down the pain and the suffering and as I do that, I create greater space for greater light. And I just give thanks for that. You are holy, and so it is.